correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hello, Game Nation. This is GM Hooli, and welcome to the Hooli and Hooli Show. No, it's <laughs> the Hooli and Hooli Show. Me and Steve. Hey, uh, good day. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. So I'd like to welcome you, the guests, on because I'm just guest starring, I guess. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm affectionately known as Steve, apparently. Uh, so um, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Steve. And Steve, you work it out because I never can. <laughs> yeah, we're Steve. Uh, <laughs> Hello, folks. Oh, uh, howdy, y'all. That feels good to be back after, well, spending entirely too much time working on my house. But uh, it was all good in the end. I was going to say, I was going to have to take heaven from you if you're going to be any longer. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, hey, it happens sometimes, right? Yeah. Right. But uh, thank you for filling in because, uh, well, I was quite busy and uh, I kind of just told Steve, uh, look, uh, can you do something? <laughs> <laughs> and I was waiting there with bated breath, waiting for the phone to ring and, and it didn't happen. But I got a message. <laughs> <laughs> Did it come in a bottle? It didn't come in a bottle. Well, oh, I guess if my phone's a bottle, I guess, sure. But no. No, it was just a, a message because, well, as Steve has said in the past, that all that he needs to do is send me a message and I'll be there. And, <laughs> well, I'm just a podcast whore. So I'm <laughs> you know. All I got to do is whinge at him a little bit and he's right there. He's easy to get a hold of. Well, I- <laughs> I listened to the episode that you two recorded last week this morning, and I'm like, okay, I need it on this conversation. So you pulled a hula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You always tell it's a good episode when I wake up or get a message in the middle of the night that goes, I need to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Very good. Hey, should we talk about a podcast of the week? I, I think we should. And uh, mm. I actually know who it's going to be this week. Oh, who is it? It is the Court Games family of podcasts, which uh, there's three on the network. There is the one that goes by Court Games, Mm -hmm. there is Fortune and Strife, and there is Crimson Gold Agonies. That's the one that you couldn't remember. Right. Probably. And they're all about, in some form or another, Legend of the Five Rings. Two of them are actual plays. Fortune and Strife and Crimson Gold Agonies are both actual plays. And for the life of me, I can never remember which one is done much more as an audio drama and which one is done more as a play demonstration. But one of them is one, and one of them is the other. And then the podcast that is called Court Games, just Court Games, is discussion about the game, sometimes the card game, lore, GM tips, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So, And they have some really cool interviews as well, which mm-hmm. is cool. But the one that you're thinking of that's the more radio drama is the one that you forgot last time and that... I've now slipped out of my mind as well. Crimson Gold Agonies. That's the one. Okay. (laughs) So it's great. 
It's really good. Yeah, really. And the other one, if you if you're more sort of into the game and you've or you're starting to get into the game, should I say, is that the the first one is much better because it, they include all the dice rolls and and a lot of the discussion around that. So uh, great for beginners. Very very cool. It's a cool game system. I know you've actually gotten to work on it some, mm. but uh, I've I've not gotten around to dipping my toe into it as of yet. Right. It's a very cool system. It's very unique. Um, they've certainly tried to do a lot more about, you know, the, the whole roll and keep, uh, which is very much sort of fundamental to their D10 version that was done prior to the acquisition by FFG. But um, yeah, it uses D6s and D12s in a really unique way, and uh, I, I loved it. I found it to be one of the uh, the better narrative systems, forgetting Genesis, of course, but then again, I'm biased. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, it's a really good system, Soko, and definitely check that out. You do have to buy specialized dice, and we spoke about this a little bit last time when we talked about proprietary dice that can be a bit of a uh, challenge for some people, but um, it's well worth it. Fair enough. And, you know, I will, <laughs> when we interviewed Jay Little, well, geez, mm. I guess, well, six months ago now, mm-hmm. Yep. you know, and I, and I mentioned, I said, you know, initially that was kind of a hang up for me. And he said, so he goes, let me ask you this. I said, do you own just one set of dice? No. You know, and, and so, and so, and, and when he went through his counter argument to that, mm. it was so like, it, it made so much sense because so many people do buy a new set of dice for every character, etc. So mm. what's the difference if you have to buy a new set of dice for the game? Mm. Mm. There is a counter-counter-argument to that, in that if you buy a set of dice and they're just the normal polyhedral ones, that you will be able to use that again if you want to for another game. But with uh, either Star Wars or Genesis or uh, L5R, you can only use those dice for that system. That's that's true. Not that I'm against the proprietary dice. I think that, you know, it's I'm a bit like you. I, I tend to, if I'm going to run a new campaign or whatever else, that I'm going to go out and buy a, a new set of dice. But being 51 years of age, I have a, a billion of those little polyhedral things. And so if I go and buy any more, I'd probably get in trouble from my partner. But that's a side <laughs> That's when you just gotta you just gotta play it off like no I've had I what are you talking I've had this one for years wow <laughs> or you back a Kickstarter that comes with dice oh yeah no I yeah <laughs> that's smart that's much better I like that <laughs> just came with a box <laughs> I couldn't look at them I couldn't leave them at the store it's like when you bring home a puppy you just look at them <laughs> you don't even have to buy dog food for it it's like <laughs> anyway <laughs> but yeah so i thought it would be fun to continue the discussion about like running star wars and and the stories you can tell with it not so much the system itself because i mean well, i that think was part one <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but i mean i think the system i mean the system's great the the ffg system but you know like you guys both mentioned the star wars universe is so big mm that you can tell so many different kinds of stories within it. Hmm. And, 
you know, it, it kind of got me, you know, because my head does things like this. Well, could, or would you ever consider running a game that is designed to emulate, say, a very specific facet of something in the Star Wars universe, even though the game itself was not designed for a Star Wars setting? Could you give me an example? Okay. So just because this one is one of the ones that was rolling around in my head, oh. there's a game that we're actually, and we haven't even defined our, our setting yet per se, but there is a game out there. It's powered by the apocalypse. It's called Mashed, and we're actually going to start playing it here possibly next week. Yep. <laughs> okay. Now, it is it is not based on the TV show. Right. It is based off the same source material as the TV show. Sure. And, but that got me. And it says there, you know, look, if you want, you could port this to, you know, Vietnam, a modern setting, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. And that got me thinking, you know, could you play a mashed game set in the Star Wars universe, say, during the Republic Separatist War? Mm -hmm. You know, something like that, or, you know, one of the Rebel Empire conflicts, et cetera. Absolutely, you could. Absolutely. You know where that would be interesting at? Mm Mm-hmm. Let me throw this out there just to just to put a worm in your ear. You know where that would be interesting? Playing a bunch of stormtroopers during or playing a bunch of clone troopers during Order 66. Mm, yeah. Sort of that, that bad batch. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You've got a whole heap of clones that have basically removed their chip. So, you know, you've almost got a separate order completely. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I was reading, sorry, this is going to sound like a bit of a tangent, but it's not really. Um, I was reading earlier today that uh, there was something that was going to originally be in the Obi-Wan series, if you haven't seen it, please do, uh, that um, they mentioned that Commander Cody was going to be a big part of it. And I'm thinking that'd be really dumb because I've just sat through episode one, two, and three. Yes, I have. Um, because the kids are at um, home from um, uh, for school holidays and one of them is as big a Star Wars fan as I am and uh, we sat through episode one, two, three and Cody basically turns against Obi-Wan. So he obviously had his chip removed. So there could be a backstory, but there would need to be a lot more information about a backstory where he's had his chip removed because otherwise he'd be very anti-Jedi. Yeah. So, but you certainly could do some sort of a, a Clone Wars or, you know, a Bad Batch series, which uh, sort of centers around that medical hospital um, out in the field type thing. And one of the cool things about Clone Wars, the series, if you look at it, there are a whole heap of different genres where a Star Wars story is told. And that was one of the things. George Lucas basically had said right from the get-go is that he wanted to do an Asian sort of setting. He wanted to do um, sort of more Germanic sort of settings. And uh, he wanted to do a noir um, sort of story. And he could do that in Clone Wars by just, you know, superimposing whatever genre that he wanted to tell a story in, but just put Star Wars on top of it. And it worked really, really well. And if you go through the entire series, you can certainly see that. So this is why I think 100% that uh, a mashed type story with 
either clone troopers or you could even say that it's a rebel outpost that is purely there for medical emergencies and, and things like that. The drama I think that you're going to have is the same drama that I found with running Star Wars campaigns is do you do it on the one planet or do you have it do you have it moving around places? Yeah. Because if you do it on the one planet it can get really stale. Well, but as a in in the context of what we're talking about here with it being a a, a mash unit as as we know it, it could hmm. easily be a medical frigate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Throw a bunch of back to tanks on a Tantive, have yeah, have them run it as a medical frigate. Yeah. You know, or or could you run and I'm just throwing this out there, you might have to play with the tech a little bit, but like a cyberpunk red game set in the bowels of Coruscant. Oh, easily. Easily. <laughs> easily. You know, I don't know that you would need to to port cyberpunk directly, you know, whatever, but you know what I'm saying, like that you know, you, you've got desert survival in, in Tatooine and how many other planets, mm-hmm. you know, but like, I, I just didn't know if that was a thought that had ever, I mean, I know, you know, you love the system and, and so do I, but there are certain things like you mentioned, you know, good society, mm. but okay, let's say you want to do a Imperial Senate drama, right? You certainly could do it. I think that you'd have to have a different way of thinking about because it's very action orientated, like cinematic epic drama, I guess that you could do. I mean, episode one and two and possibly parts of three is all about that sort of, it's got elements, but it's also got other elements of action and, and um, you know, explosives and, and whatever else like of war that goes on. Right. I've got the political drama that's going on in the background. And there are a lot of abilities that are suited to more social type characters. So yes, you certainly could do it. You just have to, I think you really need to develop a a social combat system similar to what they've got in Genesis, but maybe expand on that. And I know that there's, um, uh, there is something like that on the Genesis Foundry, Mm -hmm. which could easily be ported through. Two and it's uh, it's called I do declare. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, I was thinking of it in the context of reskinning Good Society as a Star Wars setting. Not you know what I'm saying? Like like yep. using Good Society as the rule set and putting a Star Wars skin on top of it. Yeah, okay. you okay? You can do that. Playing the bits at the beginning of Obi Wan where we're checking in on Leia. She has to deal with yeah. all of the... Yeah. As I said, that you you would have to have some sort of elements thrown in there for a little bit more of a complex system for, uh, in my opinion, to make it a little bit more interesting using similar sort of style to L5R where they have, you know, you've got intrigues, which is very much a hardcore social combat system where you've got different different sort of techniques to be able to use to elicit information from other people. You do have that, I guess, with advantages and certainly with the social combat from Genesis, if you want to pull it from there. But if you're going to run a, a long-term campaign, and this, this kind of affects any sort of Star Wars setting that you're wanting to put in, 
if you want to focus on Starship Combat, for example, you're going to need a very robust system and maybe add in a few extra things to make it a little bit more interesting. So that might be, you know, you might have to bring in a little bit of, you know, tabletop miniatures and, and things like that so that tactics can come into play and things like that. You'd need to solidify a little bit more of the capital, uh, the capital ship rules so that it all intermixes a lot better. Maybe take some stuff from uh, the, the, the board game uh, Amada as well. But if you were doing a more social sort of style of game, you would need a lot more than what's currently there um, I think, and I'm trying to remember the, the um, Age of Rebellion supplement, uh, where they deal with a lot of the Politico stuff uh, and a lot of the, you know, dealing with more social sort of scenarios. I think if you bring all of that in, then you could um, certainly go and do something like um, Good Society on top of a Star Wars setting. You just have to be really specific as to what, what's going to happen the most during the campaign. Right, right. Well, and I guess that's kind of where I was going with this was, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to poke holes in the existing system. More like, you know, as discussions that we've had on this show about all kinds of things, different systems are good at emphasizing different things. And I think the thing that I find so intriguing about the Star Wars universe is that there's so many different things that you could drill drill down on. Mm. And and in some cases, you might be better served if you want to drill down on this specific thing to reskin another game to do that. And even if you're playing your campaign as sort of like an anthology, mm. or maybe you play, you know, for six months as this this mashed unit. Mm-hmm. And then you you play for a couple of months as you know diplomats and whatever you know what i'm saying like yep. the same kind of overarching story but different aspects and angles to it mm. so you certainly I, I think that in any sort of a star wars setting there is going to be different fundamental segments of the story that you're trying to tell in a typical sort of group of pcs you're going to have a situation where um, I mean, I'm used to, I haven't played a lot of Age of Rebellion stuff, um, but I've certainly done a lot of Edge of the Empire. So you can be inserting the PCs into any sort of scenario, and it might be a negotiation to, you know, set up some trade routes or something like that for your boss. So that may be more socio-political drama that's going on there. Uh, and that might last three or four sessions. And then all of a sudden you go into, right, well, we need you to break into a, a bank vault on, you know, Utapau or whatever. So you then can run that heist sort of a drama. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. You can even, as you've sort of suggested, split up your campaign into these are your one set of characters and do your episode one, two and three of a larger arc of a story. It's just a matter of, and uh, kind of this, I guess, brings it back to our initial conversation from the previous previous episode, is that you really need, if you're going to do some sort of an epic campaign, you're going to need to work out, A, what your players want for a start, 
then you're going to work out what the GM's prepared to run, and then you're going to need to go, right, well, where am I going to run this? Am I going to run this as a galaxy-wide thing, and we're just going to do Adventure of the Week? Or is it going to case that we're going to, uh, we're really going to focus on a particular element of the Star Wars universe, whether that be your high society, whether that be your mash unit, whether that be starship combat um, with a, a bunch of fighter pilots, you know, Top Gun style. Um, actually, that'd be really cool. Top Gun with Imperial pilots. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you can, uh, Star Wars can literally fill any genre because you're talking about billions and billions of planets that all have their own culture. They have all have their own way of doing things that can easily fit anyone's imagination. You're not, you're not limited to, well, if it appeared on film, it's real. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. Because there's plenty of places that, you know, you can create on the fly and suddenly it's real uh, without any problem at all. So, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> I, it's along the veins of it anyway. You got any thoughts here, Steve? No. Uh, no <laughs> thoughts. Just vibes. <laughs> well, one thing that I will mention is that something that Steve and I spoke about at the end of the episode after we'd finished recording was talking about sandboxes, mm-hmm. which is something that I think, I don't know whether this is for everyone, but this is how I do things. And it, I kind of riffed off what Steve had said in a previous episode you guys had done about preparation. I agree, I tend not to prepare for a session. I might have some one-liner notes for going, okay, this is plot point A, plot point B, plot point C. But well before the campaign starts, even though, well, because Star Wars is so big, what I tend to do is I tend to focus the campaign on a specific sector of space. So that may involve me doing a map, and I use Traveller for that, um, where I will go through and I will have my hex sheet, and I will basically plot out where all my systems are. And then I will start to design each of those systems, again, using just, I think there's a couple of random generators for Traveller, as a basis of an idea, and then I'll start to develop ideas from there and then link in all of the, the planets. And I know the last big campaign that I did, and I managed to run three campaigns off, off of me doing this, was that I sat down and worked out for each planet, and I did three pages on each planet, just basically saying what the political sort of ideals are, what the main trade is on the planet, and some interesting places that could be sort of set pieces on the planet, and then some interesting NPCs. And that's all I wrote. And uh, I did that for, I think it was 36 planets. Mm-hmm. And then um, so, and a nice big thick book that I created as a result of it, but I mean, none of it's publishable, but because well, it's just, I know it's, but, <laughs> but still, I mean, but the thing of it is, is once you've put that work in, you could theoretically play in that for, I mean, you ran it for three sessions, but you could theoretically play in that for or three different campaigns. You could play in that for a hundred different campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you could tell so many different stories. Once you've put the effort into that area, it's you're done pretty much. I mean, not done, done, but you're done 
with having to worry about setting. You've got the framework there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's an important thing that if you're going to run a long-term campaign and that's ultimately whatever the PCs want to do, the PCs might just want to play a one shot or a three shot and that's it. They just want to get their Star Wars fix and move on to the next system, which a lot of gaming groups do in this day and age is that they'll, you know, go through, well, we want to play Call of Cthulhu this month. And so they'll play Call of Cthulhu until they get bored and then they'll go, right, well, we're going to play, you know, Twilight 2000 and and give that a shot. So there are fewer people, I think, that want to run a long-term campaign that goes for several years. A lot of the time in this day and age is because everyone's time poor mm-hmm. and they can't make that commitment to that longer time. I'm lucky I ran a Star Wars D6 game for seven years. That worked absolutely fantastically. We had people coming and going out of that campaign, but we had a, a core set of characters. I ran Dragon Squadron for two years, um, where the PC we played it religiously every fortnight, and the PCs ended up with something like 1,600, 1,600 XP, which is a lot of XP in Star Wars. Yeah. I don't suggest necessarily going over 500, but we did. And look, I was still being able to challenge PCs, but certainly by that stage, it became more about story than it did about anything else. Um, you know, stats took a bit of a background that it was more sort of freeform role play. If I could break in here for a second, we did have, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, one of the features on our $5 Patreon tier is that when we know we're going to have a guest, We'll put that up and let our patrons ask questions. Mm. I, I need to put out a formal apology to our patrons. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I usually handle it, so you got overwhelmed. It's okay. Due to circumstances, I for, I completely forgot about that Patreon here. <laughs> but uh, I put one up this afternoon when we, you know, like seven hours ago decided we were going to do this. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Jesse, who we we all know and love, who is also a massive Star Wars fan, came up with a couple of them. And one of them was, you know, Star Wars very much does the mono-environment planets. Right. And he said, you know, is that something that you like to lean into? Or do you kind of like spoof it? Or, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? Do you just lean into it because that's the way they do it, you know, so to speak, in canon effectively? And yes, <laughs> um, look, if players want to go to different areas of a world, um, like if they were, uh, if they've landed in a, in a starport in the equator equivalent uh, and they want to um, go to, or I've got an idea of a bit of an ice sort of story and they've decided to go on this other planet, which I didn't expect them to. I'm not going to, and we've spoken about this before about uh, adventure design, is that I won't stick a story into an environment. But if I want something that has that as, whether it be Wampers or something equivalent to that, or I've just got this idea of a of an ice story, I will give them a reason to maybe go up towards the, you know, the polar ice caps or go into a colder area, which still has the same sort of environment but it's just got bucket loads of snow in the same sort of way as that you know it still snows in some deserts i think for the most part in answer to his question yes 
100% lean into it because it's the expectation for anyone playing Star Wars is that I want a Star Wars experience. So if they go to Endor, they know that it's just forests everywhere, but it does have a, it has to have a polarized cap. Um, if it's an ocean planet, parts of it are going to be frozen and parts of it is going to be, you know, almost boiling hot. But for the most part, you're going to expect an underwater adventure. So that's what I'm going to uh, provide. But yeah, so yes, mostly, but not always is probably going to be the answer to my question. Because it can be done easily. And you've just got to, you know, as uh, both of you have said in the past, you just basically have to, you know, run it off the seat of your pants effectively when you're running a game. And, you know, if, if a person is playing Star Wars and I don't know how available they are anymore... But if you don't have all of the adversary cards, you are doing yourself a massive injustice because uh, there's the cards that you used to be able to buy that has a whole heap of NPCs in it that you can just go, right, well, this person's a thug, but he doesn't have um, a blaster weapon or doesn't have a blaster ability. But I think that that would suit. That's something that you can just keep in the back of your mind and go, right, that person now has that. And so you can just keep on running a game without looking up a book at all. You've just got your NPCs. So I um, highly recommend that. Okay. I think that answers the question or addresses it at the very least. Um, <laughs> all right. So let me ask you this, because I think we're kind of skirting around this a lot. Mm. And, and Steve, you know, jump in here, obviously, whatever. But you know, we, we talk about a Star Wars story and a Star Wars story and I've said before, I think on the show that I think one of the reasons that a lot of people don't like Revenge of the Sith as well is because it breaks the core story mode of all the other Star Wars media in that every pretty much everything else is the these plucky few against overwhelming odds, mm -hmm. but they come out on top in the end and look for for what the overarching story was doing that doesn't happen in revenge of the sith and it can't right but but like you know like i said so to me that's kind of the the overarching star wars theme or whatever but what are those elements like if you're going to tell a star wars story what are some of the things that you just think it needs to have does that make sense yeah absolutely so i think with star wars it's still a three-act play so it, every single one of the, the films and the trilogies uh, fit that bill. It just depends on which character you think is the central character. In the prequels, the central character isn't Anakin. You think it's Anakin, but it's actually either one of two people, either Padme or it's Obi-Wan. And that's their story. They are the central characters. And by the end of... It's a bit of a tragedy, I guess, if you're looking at it from Padme's perspective, because she dies, obviously, at the end of it. Spoilers! Um, but if you if you look at it from Obi-Wan's, he manages to escape. All the other Jedi are basically wiped out, but he's managed to escape. And now he's got this added responsibility of looking after Luke. So it's almost a triumphant moment for him. And then when you're looking at, obviously, the original trilogy, you're looking at Luke. Luke is obviously the central character. He is the protagonist of, he's the one that we're all associating with. So one of the things that can be difficult in the Star Wars story is exactly what I just said then, is to have a main protagonist. Because 
you've got a bunch of people around the table and they all want equal spotlight. The best way that I find is that you have to work out, sometimes with your player, sometimes not, you need to work out what their arc is going to be or what arc they want their character to take. Some people don't know, and that's fine. You will develop that as you go. And, you know, people like Lando Calrissian, for example, isn't even heard of in A New Hope and doesn't come in until the, the, the last act in Empire Strikes Back, but plays a much larger role in Return of the Jedi. And he's probably the, the PC that basically didn't hear about the campaign until uh, halfway through the, <laughs> the second film and came in and sort of, oh, yeah, we can make you the, the administrator of, of um, Cloud City. And then obviously, you know, we're going to oust you from there. But you need to have that central arc of where their characters are going. So if you look at the films, you've got Han and or Han. Um, I'm an Australian, so I'm going to say Han. <laughs> Everybody else says Han. But anyway, um, so you've got him as the ruthless rogue. And then he's tempered a little bit by the love of, um, uh, but he's also got this this whole thing about, you know, Jabba the Hutt basically being on his tail. And he's falling for, from Princess Leia. And then by the end of it, we have him as the hero. So that's his journey. And in a, a, in a game, you have to work out where that journey is going to go. Not everything needs to be with um, the players, but you need to be asking, how do you want, what is the end game for your character? Where do you want that to be? And that could be a short-term goal, a mid-term goal, and a long-term goal, if you want to put it down like that. And that's just a matter of, in your session zero, sitting down with all of the characters. Because Star Wars is all about people, and it's all about their journey through these troubled times. And so I think session zero for any Star Wars campaign, for any campaign for that matter, is vitally important so that you know which direction the story is going to go. And I always um, make the recommendation that you play it out like a TV series or, or um, a movie or whatever else and give it around about 12 sessions, maybe shorter, depending on how often you're a meeting, and have a mid-session zero. Mm-hmm. So when you've got, like, you played 12 sessions and then you go, right, Let's sit around and have a session zero again about where we are. Are people happy with the direction, the way that the campaign goes? Because the GM might want to take the campaign in a certain direction, still communicating with the players, but it ends up not being what the players want to do. As an example, in my uh, one of my campaigns that was called The Tales of the Soleil Express, um, I originally envisioned this as being sort of like uh, Futurama, where they were on... Uh, I think it was Soleil, which is sort of like a Tatooine equivalent. And they had this shipping company. And the idea was is that they would build up that shipping company so they'd end up buying, you know, a whole heap of different ships and have different people working for them and, and whatever else. But by the end of the first season, I realized that some of the characters, especially the uh, Trandoshan crime lord with a big pimp hat, um, he, I've got a photo of it. I'll put it up on the on chat. Um, but uh, yeah, so he was more ruthless. Uh, like I originally had envisaged that that they were going to be sort of supporting 
this, you know, new uprising that was happening in the rebellion type thing. And instead, <laughs> because they they made contact with them in a really awkward way, but um, the NPC who was um, uh, basically selling or trying to move a whole heap of medical equipment uh, was asking the PC to, this Trandoshan PC, to, to please help. And he said, are you... Uh, are you against the Empire? And he said, yes, absolutely. So he pulled out a gun and shot him. Um, and from that point, it got very weird. But they ended up wanting to, when I had that sort of session zero, found out that they actually wanted to create not a shipping conglomerate. They wanted to create a criminal empire. So it was a case of, right, well, we need to take that in a different direction. And that gave me an idea of... of and I sort of said, right, we're probably going to have to take a month break so I can sort of work out where the story is going to go from here. Because, you know, back in way back whenever, I, I'd run campaigns where it's gone completely off the rails because I wanted to go one way and all the PCs wanted to go completely different way. And that was before I knew about Session Zero. This is when I was in high school. And probably from there, I've always been looking for a way. And as soon as people started talking about Session Zero, which is really only something that has been, you know, talked about from my experience, probably in the last 10 years or so, is that having a Session Zero is important at the start, but it's also important at uh, having it at a midpoint um, and towards the end of a campaign so that everybody gets that satisfying ending, mm -hmm. which I think is important so that it does... You know, as I said, you have it as the three-act play. So you might have 12 sessions, and then you have another 12 sessions, and then you have another 12 sessions. And if it goes on beyond that, great, do another set of 12 uh, until, well, the players cancel you, uh, <laughs> and you end up going into syndication. So, uh, so, yeah. I always find myself, so I agree with you on the, you know, it's a good tool to have in your bag if you need to stop and have that mid session break mid session conversation like mid season conversation i guess you could call it and i think it's a good tool to have in the bag but i always just find myself putting out pulse points the entire time we're playing like every time we wrap up a session i always go what do you like what do you don't like what direction do you want to see this story go hmm. because i find that the players will say things and you can surprise your players by paying attention to what they say Mm. they'll say things to you like, oh, I'd like to see, you know, maybe a little bit more action. Okay, cool. So I make a note, more action. Mm. Or I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see us become this, or I'd like to become that, or I'd like to do this type of thing. And I know for myself, I'll say things sometimes because it's in my head, and then I'll forget about it three, four, five months later. Mm. And if you do that during, you know, if you do that a couple times during a, a campaign where you take those pulse points, you mm. can throw in those things the players want without having to stop and necessarily stop and regroup and do that whole thing. Now, it is a good thing. If you need the time to stop and regroup and recenter yourself, absolutely. Mm. But, it, it, you know, for me, I find because I, I roll with punches pretty, pretty darn easily, I just cool. keep going. Mm. And I just take those notes. I put them down in my notebook and I go, okay, well, I need to, I need to up the action a little more. I need to, um, you know, they want to see this type of story. They want to become more type of this, you know, just that constant adding and changing the story and progressing it. I think it, it builds a little bit more of a natural story as well. Mm. 
Well, I, I agree that taking notes and asking for feedback, I mean, I, I treat every session like it's its own episode. Mm-hmm. So um, quite often we will sort of, like you do at the end of a film, you go outside and you talk for about an hour as you deconstruct the film that you've you've just watched with your friends. So the same sort of thing happens when any session that I run, it's like I will ask the question, so was everybody happy with that? So you're always asking that question all the way through, oh, making yeah. so that you, you've got an idea. But there's always going to be, I think, an important part because some players might go, look, you know, um, it's got nothing to do with whether it be action, whether it be, you know, whatever it is that you, you're, you're doing during the sessions. It might be the case of, look, I'm really, I'm tired of my character. I want to play something else. Because as a GM, if you've set up story arcs, you tend to twist them together. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, most of my campaigns tend into massive melodramas because I like, I like twisting and turning through character backgrounds so that there's intersection points and you can uh, the, the players can have their spotlight for not just sort of because of their skills, but because of their backstory. So when you've got a, a scenario where you've got players who've gone, look, I think my character's gone as far as he needs to go or she needs to go, I think it's a good time to have that mid-sort of session break that you can say, right, well, and that could, it doesn't need to be like an entire session. It can just be an hour conversation to go, hey, look, or over email or over you know Messenger or whatever to work out exactly what sort of direction the campaign is going. And this, this advice, I guess, works with any campaign. It's not just specifically Star Wars. But I think that it's important when you're doing episodic play, like Star Wars tends to be, that with an overarching story, I think you do have to take that sort of end of season moment to go, is everybody happy with where we are? Is everybody happy with the characters? Would anybody like something new? Because they may have had a short-term goal to be the best pilot in the sector. Okay, great. You've made that. You've There's been a big race at the end of the campaign that you've been leading up to and you've managed to win. So where do we go from there? We go, right, well, now I want to be the best in the galaxy. Okay, cool. So we need to up the stakes a little bit more. And it's just about communicating with your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is always communicating with your players. Mm. I, uh, playing things, you can communicate with your players and still play things close to the chest. <laughs> I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah, I mean, when, when I'm saying that uh, you're asking about arcs, you're not sort of saying, okay, so... In this session, you want to do this. In this session, you want to do this. Because then, right, spoiler But if, as long as you've got an overarching sort of story of where you, you've got point A and point B, and I think that L5R does it in a really interesting way, is that with their 20 questions, the last question that they ask is, how do you see your character dying? It's a really unique question to go, right, well, how does my character want to die? Does my character want to die and go out in a big blaze of glory? Do they want to be holding a thermal detonator running into a group of stormtroopers? You know, how do they want to, you know, move on? And that gets them thinking about, okay, well, what's the progress of my, of where I see my character going? Because we as people have life goals of where we'd like to be in 
a year's time, five years' time, ten years' time. Characters are exactly the same way. They aren't just stats on a paper. You know, they have motivations and feelings. And this is one of the things I love about Genesis is that it goes into what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, uh, you know, what are your flaws, so that you've got a much better concept of your of your character. And Star Wars does that with motivations. People tend to mix up obligation, for example, and and motivations. Some people have said, well, you know, hands, uh, Han and Chewie, that Han has an obligation to Chewie. Well, if Chewie's a PC, that doesn't make any sense. He's got a motivation to look after his mate, and he's got a motivation, and Chewie's got a motivation because, well, he's got a life debt, but it's not an obligation. It's a motivation for staying in. So motivation is something that you have to do. Sorry, obligation is something that you have to do. Motivation is something that you want to do. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how Star Wars is supposed to be done. Well, Edge of the Empire anyway. Uh, you've then got duty and, and morality as well, which are two different ball games again. But, uh, yeah, that's sort of... You've just got to really look at your characters because um, Star Wars is more than just shoot stormtroopers, take their loot. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more... For me, anyway, it's a lot more depth to it. Yeah, well, I think, you know, and like, you know, you guys were talking a little bit last episode about, you know, the different eras that, that really kind of fascinate you. And I think, you know, because I think you said it's the, what do you want to say, between ep- between episodes three and four is, mm. is where you really kind of, that's that's your sweet spot. Yeah. You know, and I think, Steve, you said between episode four and five. That's where I'd like to play with. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, it's, it's kind of, in all honesty, for me, it's, it's from like episode two to episode four, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the clone wars and up until, you know, the battle of Yavin kind of that whole, you know, roughly, what is that? 20, 20 ish years, 25 years here. Yeah, or thereabouts. Yep. It's it's hard to tell because if, I don't I actually I think that the, there is a timeline out there and I think there's um, three or four years between I'm sure Chris if he's listening he's going to be yelling and screaming at the radio about now. Uh, <laughs> well, it's twenty twenty five ish years because you yeah. figure it's roughly twenty years from Order sixty six to Battle of Yavin. Yep. 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 So you know. But we're we're ballparking. We're not we're not trying to be full on nerds at the moment. <laughs> Give us a minute. <laughs> not that we're not capable of this discussion. <laughs> yeah, because I have found a, a detailed timeline of you know this date BBY this happened and blah 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 blah. I just don't have it bookmarked off the top of my head as to or if I did I don't remember where I put the bookmark. Uh, <laughs> What's really cool is that if um, anybody can get a, 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 a copy or a download of the old adventure journals uh, from West End Games, they used to, they've got some great stories in there uh, from some now quite celebrated authors. But in some of the, uh, the stuff that they've got in there, they've got these newsnet briefs, which sort of talk about, I think as it was leading up to episode two, um, they were having all of these different, I think it was episode two, it might have been, can't remember. But anyway, there was this, the way that it was written, 
um, was like, as in that all of the people from this particular world were being basically evacuated because the Republic was taking over their mining facility and stuff like that. So it was like new snippets, but they all had a date on it. It's the only place that I've actually been able to find a physical date. And of course, I extrapolated and did a calendar. <laughs> so my first, one of my first campaigns, I actually tracked everywhere the players were going and how long it was taking and I would almost do it as a flowchart as to when everything was happening. Wow. Because okay. I'm um, Hannah. <laughs> so that leads into one more of Jesse's questions. Right. Which was, if you got to add one Legends thing back into continuity, what would you choose? Holy crap. What would I choose? Jeez. Um, I will go on record to admit that I didn't... There was a very dark period for me in my nerddom where I didn't keep up with things, and that pretty much encompasses legends. <laughs> I think that if I was to bring in anything, I would bring in the the Han Solo novels. Oh, where he was running around with the rabbit. Yeah, no, 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 no. That oh. was that's Jackson, and that is all the original Star Wars comic from Marvel, right? Uh, oh, okay. No, the Han Solo, Han Solo at Stars in Han Solo and the Lost Legacy. Oh, okay, okay, that stuff. Oh, I got you. I got you. I thought you were talking about those comics. No, I don't know. I, I'd basically no. I can't stand Jackson Green Rabbit. <laughs> oh, he's supposed to be canon. He's supposed to be canon now. Somebody said, "Yeah." I was like, "What?" Yeah, I heard oh, that. Well, I was like, yeah. "How?" <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to be greenish. Um, you know, if they want to have green rabbits, that's fine. But I absolutely love the Triani, which are in um, Han Solo at Star's End, which is, uh, it's basically, it's a, it's a prison break um, and part of the, the adventure, but um, the, well, for most of it. But um, no, that's that whole concept of, I would love to see, I would give my left nut to, uh, to put into Australian terms. Um, I would give my left nut if they did a Star Wars um, solo TV series with the guy who played it in Solo, Star Wars Story. I love that film, and I don't care what those haters say out there. I loved it, and I wish they'd do a series with with him. Uh, I know that Lando's getting his own series at some point, um, but I'd love that because I think I'd watch the crap out of that. You know what I want? Mm -hmm. I want a Reva series. Oh, Reva? Yeah. Yeah, I'll say, here's the thing I want from Legends brought in. Are you ready? Mm. Kyle Katarn. Oh, Ooh. Kyle Katarn. Do you want to know something really funky? What? You know the kid that um, in Obi-Wan, sorry for spoilers if you haven't seen it, people, but you know the kid in uh, that, uh, the shyster who was um, sort of pretending to be a Jedi? Oh, Kamal Nanjiani. Yeah. Kamal, yes. Right. Yes, so the kid that he was basically, and his mum, that he mm -hmm. was through, that's supposedly Kolkatan. Yeah, but that's the wrong time. It's not the right timeline, though. It's Disney. They can do what they want. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I mean, I want, I want badass Kolkatan back. <laughs> like, I want the Kolkatan from the freaking video games, you know. Look, here was the hand Solo that you have when you're not having a hand Solo. That's right, basically right. what it is. So, um, so yeah, and I mean, he was cool. I like the Outrider. They've had that in 
couple of movies now. They've had their YD2400. So, mm-hmm. possible. It's possible. I, I, I think, yeah, bringing him back for like, I just, I just, I love that character. <laughs> but if anybody talks about bringing back the Vong, I'm going to shoot you. Um, I really detested that whole New Order thing. I just, no, it was, and, and I know that a lot of people loved it and they were, there were all sorts of stories that that was going to be a part of the, of the sequel trilogy, but yeah, no, don't do it or do it differently. Because... I don't even know. Those are the weird zombies, aren't they? Sort of. Um, yeah. and- Turn everything into biological, um, like everything that they have is biological. Um, so all their starships are biological and, and whatever else. I stopped reading like about four or five novels in, but um, I still have them all. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was a collector. But anyway. I'm kind of like Steve. That's a big, that's a big gray. You know, Revan would be a good one to bring back. Oh, Yes. Everybody wants to see Revan in canon. <laughs> and that's still possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. So I have one more question, but I want to get any more final thoughts anybody has or, or whatever before we do that. Well, one question that I'll ask for, for young Steve. Uh-huh. So you have said to me in the past that when it, the thought of running Star Wars basically... Um, gives you massive anxiety plus. Mm-hmm. So what is it about running a Star Wars game that you find so daunting? How do I want to say this? Uh, so I think the thing, I haven't read most of the books. Right. I've, I've barely played any of the video games. Like I've played a handful right. of the video games. I've watched yep. the, what is it, nine movies mm-hmm. and a handful of series. I, I don't mm-hmm. care too much for Clone Wars because I can't get past the art style. I like Rebels. Right. But like it's it's all that stuff. Like everything outside of that, everything mm-hmm. outside of like most of the non-participant visual media, I have, mm-hmm. it's a b- massive blind spot for me. Right. And what scares me is to run a game and have somebody come in and go, well, that's, this is like this or that's, you know, you're using a character. It's like, well, I, I it just, I don't know. Do you have that sort of same feeling with, say, Forgotten Realms? I stay away from Forgotten Realms. Yeah, for that exact reason. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I stay out of it because I don't know as much as, yeah. Next person? Okay. Actually, if I could join in here, that is precisely the reason I have stayed away from Forgotten Realms. And right. for some strange reason... I don't feel that trepidation as much with the Star Wars universe okay. because to in my head, for whatever reason, I'm much more comfortable in the Star Wars universe saying, look, this is my Star Wars universe. I'm basing it on this, this, and this more or less. And that's the way we're going to play this. Why I don't feel comfortable saying that in say forgotten realms. I don't understand myself, but I know that's how I feel. I think mm. it could just be for me. It could be the people that I've hung around with. Well, mm. we both know someone who would be very much that way with Star Wars. Yes, but not just him. An- another person that I don't know. I hung out with a lot. I know I could never run Star Wars four because I'd never hear the end of. Well, that's not how that works, or that's not how that works, or 
and it's like, okay, well, I'm just trying to tell a cool story is cool story in the universe. I'm not trying to get a history lesson. Hmm. And that's my trepidation is because I, I think it's because I've hung out with people that are very diehard fans, I guess is the way to put it. And it's why I'm, it's the same reason I'm afraid to run vampire, the masquerade. There's 30 years of canon in vampire, the masquerade. Hmm. I don't have the time to read all of it. And I'm, terrified to try and run that for somebody who's been playing that game for any extended period of time and i think that that's true to an extent for a lot of the anything that's got a lot of lore like i was terrified of writing for l5r for example because of how much lore was behind it but all Mm -hmm. that you've got to do is educate yourself in whatever area that you're running your game in or in my case whatever i was writing for with Star Wars, it's such a massive universe that just because it was that way in that particular area of space doesn't necessarily mean that that applies here. And that's the reason why I like to sit down and design my own sector so that the rest of the galaxy be damned. And what I'll do is I'll even go through Wikipedia and find planets because you can actually just search by, give me all the planets and it'll list all of them is you can just go through and go, well, that's kind of cool. One area is like, I know that when I wanted to create this particular sector of space, I wanted to have this particular race in it. And it was the shark people from one of the Clone Wars episodes. And I just looked it up. And what sector is it in? Oh, it's in the Dominus sector. Cool. I'll go and take a look at that. And just went through and listed all of the, the Dominus systems um in that particular sector and then i've added my own in there so that there is familiarity that people might go i know this i know that character but you only need to familiarize yourself with that i think that when it comes to anything to do with systems that have massive law bases i think that it's kind of we can see the forest but not the trees because we just see this massive expanse and go, I'm not going in there, it's far too hard. But if we start to break it down into a smaller area, you're not going to have as big a problem, I think. And then you've just got to sort of avoid touching on any of the major characters. So no Luke's, no Hands, you know, um, no Obi-Wan's, depending on where you're going, or they may appear in the background somewhere or you know, take a short cameo in one of your stories. But you don't need to basically... You can use Star Wars as a backdrop rather than as everything has to be all Star Wars. And the same sort of thing applies with L5R. If you're only operating in the Crane Lands, just focus on learning as much as you can about the Crane Lands. And then you don't have to worry about all of the ancillary stuff. Know about your houses, but don't worry about too much more than the area that you're dealing with. So, you know, do it in bite sizes, I guess. That's the only advice that I can give to anyone who is feeling daunted by Star Wars. And there is a lot of lore out there, stuff that I have no idea about. But I think, um, old Steve, what you mentioned before was that you just say, hey, look, this is this is um, Star Wars. I'm going to run a game. It's going to be set here only using a new hope as the basis. Everything else is basically open slather. What you've done right at the get-go is you've set that expectation. 
So you don't need to, if somebody says, yeah, but that's not, well, that may be the case in real canon, but we're telling a Star Wars story. Right. Mm -hmm. And that also applies to what I had messaged you after we had our conversation last time, which was, I'm pretty sure that if I ran a Star Wars story, it would be a Lego Star Wars story. (laughs) And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. And it's funny because I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, the reason I said that is because if I wanted to run Star Wars, I want to run it the way Lego Star Wars does. It's it's all the fun bits. It's all the goofy bits. Like I was watching out of just out of the blue. I heard somebody was talking about it and I had to watch it myself. I watched that Lego Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> right. Yep. And remember how we talked about you don't do time travel in Star Wars? <laughs> Yeah. You, you kind of need to go watch that because, uh, <laughs> but, um, I watched that just because I was like bored and, um, there's a bit, there's bits with Obi-Wan that I'm like, this is, this is absolutely Obi-Wan's character just condensed, like distilled down into a, a comical form. There's a bit in episode one where it's him and Qui-Gon sitting during the like opening bits of episode one. Where he's hmm. just sitting there just going, bored, 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 bored. Just... <laughs> he's like, nobody cares about a trade dispute. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, all right. And this is how I came to the conclusion that, yeah, I'm pretty sure if I ran Star Wars, it would just be Lego Star Wars. Because <laughs> then I can get away with, well, I broke the rules a little bit, but it's okay because it's Lego. <laughs> and as, I tell you what, as long as you're setting the expectations with the players at the start of the campaign... Yeah, I I don't think that would be a problem. No, not at all. Not at all. As long as that expectation is set right from the start, you're never going to have a problem running Star Wars, I don't think. And I know that I've played with people who've, uh, who are massive, more Star Wars fan than I am, and they've enjoyed my campaigns because I've said right from the, the start, you know, a new hope happens the way that it does, but anything after that is open slather. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just a matter of setting those expectations at the start. And I think that you also need to, perhaps, if you've got somebody who's saying, well, no, that's not how that went, you know, maybe it's time that you pull them aside and say, are you not enjoying the campaign? You know, and have that sort of a conversation to go, what is it that makes you feel that you need to say that? Yeah. Is it that you're trying to correct you? Or is that they're not happy because it's not the Star Wars experience that they were hoping for? Or what is your experience that you're hoping for? And then you can find out and then you can do some more research. You know, there's plenty of stuff online to the Wikipedia is your friend when you're running Star Wars. Um, so, so, yeah. Okay. Well, to move things along, because I'm going to run out of time here before too long. I got one, one last question from us. This is sure. from Jesse. But uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to ask you to put on your prognosticator hat here, Ian. Oh, God. Yes. Okay. And so whenever the next edition of the Star Wars RPG happens, mm. what does Sterling Hershey write for it? <laughs> he will write about the galaxy. That's what he will write about. Um, he will write about the current status of the galaxy. And I hope if they ever do a, a second edition uh, that they make it setting agnostic. And that it will, uh, he'll talk about all the different eras of play. There you go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And probably some tables, because he loves tables. That's all I know. (laughs) 
Well, now what? He holds the distinction of having written for literally every edition of the game that's been published, correct? Absolutely. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm just in awe of that man. (laughs) He's a great person. Um, So, yes, I I love Sterling. He's amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, everyone knows where they can already find you at the Forge Genesis and Facebook and Twitters and wherever oh, mainly else, right? Steve, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you can find just message us. We'll get, get you in touch with Huli. That works too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that me and Steve.com is that where you can find me? <laughs> we don't have that yet. <laughs> uh, but no, they can find me at Forge Genesis. Dot com. You can also find me by searching Forge Genesis on any of your social medias. Um, you can also find my co-host, GM Chris, by going to any of those links as well. Um, and I'm readily available on Discord under GM Hurley. So just do a search for that. Or um, I'm probably slutting around on um, the Genesis community or um, our own Discord, uh, which is available for our Patreons, um, or the me and Steve Discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm you're a d- yep. little bit everywhere, aren't you? Yep. The social hall. Yep. All right. <laughs> so is it that time of the week? Yeah, it's Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right, who's going first? I can go first. Oh, oh, you can go first. Okay, I'll go, go first. I've never gone first before. My game of the week is um, it's made by uh, Dice Hump Games uh, by Tim and Kristen Devine, and it's um, made under the sort of the same rule set as Laser and Feelings because I know that GM Chris, my co-host on the Forge, uh, he loves Lasers and Feelings. Um, so this one is called Truth and Daring. Now, I only found this last night, but uh, I immediately fell in love with it. I love kids on bikes, and this is the dumbed-down version, and it's great. <laughs> um, it's a one page. It literally costs 70 cents. It's amazing. Go and, go and download it. Take a look at it. It's great. Um, it's got uh, the character sheet, which is all of, like, uh, basically, it's a... Uh, credit card or a, a business card size um and it's a one-page rpg so it's i like it because it's really simple mechanics there's no point buy or anything like that you have just one stat and the if it's high yeah high number means you're better at truth a low number means you're better at daring um and you've just got to make up a few gears uh, like pieces of gear that you've got um, you've got a player goal, you've got a character goal, and then they create the players create their clubhouse. So basically, you the the liner that they give is it began like any summer until you sensed it. Something wasn't right. It was quiet, too quiet. You knew something was coming as a member of a super secret club. You knew you had to be ready. You each had sworn the oath to protect your town, your families, and most importantly, your clubhouse. From the things that adults just can't seem to handle, you couldn't have known what was coming, but you're all sure of one thing. This 
would be a summer you would never forget. Truth and Daring, coming soon. Um, it uh, was, yeah, it's really good. It's also got a little GM creates the adventure chart on the same page. It's very cool. I love it. Yeah, sounds really fun. Hmm. All right. You go, my go. You go. I, uh, <laughs> okay, I'll go. So I'm going back in the books a little ways for this one. And uh, unfortunately, it's not available on DriveThruRPG. However, it is still available on the publisher's website. Ooh, woo mm-hmm. hiss. And this is a game from Steve Jackson Games, which I Ooh. really makes me wonder why it's not on DriveThru, because they have a lot of titles that are, are there. But I'm going to the game who, in the rules, states that any player who reduces the GM to hysterical laughter gets an experience point. Wow. That would be the one, the only, Tune. Oh. Haven't thought about Tune in a long time. Now, I've heard that some early versions of the rules, you got experience if you made the GM snot milk out their nose. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little bit. I don't More know, that seems hyper-specific, but it's wow. still in the same vein. But this is the role-playing game for classic, you know, Saturday morning, Looney Tunes, Rocky and Bullwinkle, etc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's really not much more. You, you don't have to explain it. I always wanted to play a Who Framed Roger Rabbit game in tune. <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's got, you know, different, you know, shticks and goofy gear and it's like the PDF, I think, is 15 bucks. Yeah. On the on the Steve Jackson site. So it's 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 not, you know, hard to find. You just have to go there to find it. I almost bought a hard copy of this at a used bookstore a while back and I probably should have. But, oh, yeah, well, it's it's a, it's, it's tuned certified classic game like <laughs> That is that is absolutely it is one of those games that if you don't own a copy of Tune, you should really pick it up because yeah, there's very few games that fall into that certified classic territory, and Tune is one of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know that I really wanted to get into Tune when it first came out? Yes, I'm that old. Wait a minute. Well, okay. Wait a minute. You were talking about it the other day, their last episode, yeah. and and while I will. Also, my first role-playing experience was in second edition WEG Star Wars. So, ah. you know, uh, and that would have been in 1995, probably. Good God. But, like, when you got your copy of Star Wars, I was 11. <laughs> so, I'm really old, Hurley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Tune, the, the original copyright date on Tune is 1984. Yep, yep. And it would have probably been advertised in Dragon. That's where I would have seen it. Because, you know, that was... Back then, there was no Intiminet. Uh, there was only um, Dragon and Dungeon Magazine was how you would get to find out what content. There was a uh, game company uh, or a distributor here in Australia, which was Military Simulations. And they mm-hmm. used to... And I think I've spoken about this before. Uh, and they they send out a, a little booklet which had all of the board games and card games and whatever else. And we used to, you know, get it and bring it to school and pour over it and go, yes, I'm going to get this. And you'd highlight where all the Star Wars stuff is. And uh, so that was the way that you knew what was coming, you know. Uh, but, you know, with internet, you don't have that sort of, uh, I guess they're, they're putting highlighters all over their iPads. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
So fun, fun story. I actually, I don't know where it's at right now. I have a whole big box that I had bought. Um, I was at a game store and a guy came in with a box of dragon magazines. Oh, and they didn't want them. They were like, we don't know what to do with these. We can't sell them. We don't want them. And I looked at the guy and I said, I'll give you 10 bucks for the box. And he goes, yeah, deal better than what they're giving me. And so I have like a file box full of dragon magazines somewhere that when I get my bookshelf built, they're going up on the bookshelf because those are fascinating and incredible reads. (laughs) Mm. And they've got some good modules in the, uh, the old dungeons too. Yeah. Uh, Plus, uh, you know, when you start looking at some of the the more recent ones with, um, you know, ecology of different dragons and ecology of this particular creature or whatever else, it really takes a much longer look at each of the monsters. Um, And, uh, yeah, definitely well worth a read. So um, you may have some collector's items there, my friend. Oh, I know. I know I do. (laughs) Wow. That's a slut find, my friend. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when they were like, we don't buy magazines. I'm like, oh, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very cool. All right. So that leaves one of us. Yeah. So I have a, I have a game. One would hope so. Yeah. It's called Gozer. G-O-Z-R. It is a sci-fi fantasy RPG. And it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is weird. Um, the to read a little bit of this tag an angry sky bleeds upon a fallen world skyworms hunt meat fallen towers radiate fading spells the pretty pretty ones rot in the dirt lost and the goose rise it is a weird gross 80s-esque sci fantasy rpg it uses a, a d20 system very much just D20 rolls versus target numbers relating to your character's ability, magic, weird technology, strange creature, and lots of robots. It, I, I've had it sort of on my radar for a while now. Some of the people that consume Gabrielle Kuroga's stuff were promoting this, and it, yeah, it's it's great. It, well, I don't know that it's great yet, but it's it's definitely cool. Yeah, definitely it interesting. interesting. It's weird and and kind of reminds me of like some of the counterculture late 80s stuff you know yeah it's got that kind of i don't know what it is but yeah it's it's that weird yeah yeah like i <laughs> like, said the I, weird I, counterculture I, the late 80s, I know like, exactly what i'm thinking but i can't <laughs> almost almost kind of like a, a playable version of um human occupied landfill or um sort of has like album cover feel it, it's yeah it's weird it's kind of gross but it's neat you know it's one of those games like i said it's been on my radar and now that it's out i'm like yeah i gotta get this i I gotta find the right group though because i can't this is one of those games that very much you couldn't just run for anyone (laughs) no Um, yeah i definitely it's gonna take the right vibe yeah you you gotta have the right group of people and maybe some beer or hard liquor um (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those what was that is that the uh, board? Did that uh, sort of feel a little bit more cartoonish? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah. It's it's more goofy, less like Morkborg tries to play as goofy as Morkborg gets. It does at the end of the day try to play itself serious. Right. This is more like um, 
I don't know. Saturday just, morning cartoon version of Mark Borg. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to make a Saturday. Yeah. Well, the, I, I'll tell you what Saturday morning cartoon, it actually brings to mind, uh, the, uh, toxic Avenger cartoon. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Um, I don't remember what that cartoon is actually called, but it's the toxic Avenger cartoon. That's what it brings to my mind. That's sort of the art style and look of everything is like bloop, gloppy and gross. And here, put a link in the chat. There, I will once it cooperates. <laughs> yeah, there's the link for you. It's in guest green room. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. See, when I see Gozer, I automatically think of Gatekeeper and um... Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I could see that, but. I'm looking is... at that. It's got that whole um oh what was the name of the character in, in Ghostbusters? Um the the green blob. Oh uh Slimer. Slimer. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, no, that's 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 my pick. My pick's Gozer, which <laughs> yeah, if you want to have a couple drinks and play that with me at some point, I'm sure I'll <laughs> be around looking for people to play. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went looking through Drive Through RPG, and the amount of stuff which is on there is just insane. I mean, I don't know whether Truth and Dare is what I would have originally gone to as as a game, but as soon as I've sort of like you know looking through, and I've gone, that sounds cool, and it's really cheap, and it's something that I could probably play with the kids, and there would be no problems. Yeah, um, exactly. So, you know, and it's sort it's it's almost like a, you know, yeah, I've never played this board game, so I'm going to pull it out and it's going to be a nice simple thing for the family to use and uh it's just there is so much content on drive-through RPG, it's not funny. Well, that's why I love one page. Like one page RPGs in general are one of my favorite genres because it's like you're sitting and you're like, I don't know what to play. Not everybody's here. You just have that in a binder somewhere and you can run mm. it with no prep. Mm. Um, there was a, a 200 word RPG that I ran that I still argue is, was the best campaign or the best session play I'd mm. ever had because I had, I have pictures of my friends literally falling out of their chairs, laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> like just, Dying a, of laughter. That's the sort of game you want to run. Yeah. Yep. But well, if you're playing, you'd get an XP for it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has to be the DM, not the GM, oh, not, right. The, right. not the players. But right. with all that being said, thank you so much for coming back on and doing a part two to this episode, Huli. No problem. They might have uh, Anybody's got any questions? <laughs> <laughs> Is I'm a whore. We've established this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Come on again. Well, I'm clipping that. <laughs> I know what your text tone's going to be. Can I say it a little bit more sexy now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the, there's the clip right there. <laughs> but as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Facebook, Twitter, Discord, Patreon, TikTok, all of that fun stuff. It's all there. Come check us out wherever, you know, tell your friends. You know what you could do if you're listening to the podcast and you have the ability to rate it on the app that you're listening to. If you like it, please leave us a five-star rating. It would be fantastic. It helps with growth. It helps us get promoted sort of 
out to more people and and the more people we can get in the discord the more people we can get listening to the podcast the more games we can run the more the more fun we can all have interesting conversations yep and don't forget to leave a review as well because yeah yeah so you know let them know that they're amazing i keep telling them and i'm running out of breath if you got a complaint we do have an email address. You can send that complaint directly to us, and one of us will respond. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 What yeah. is it? We, we have an email address. It's <laughs> me and Steve RPG at gmail.com, I believe. Yeah. Wow. And that's listed in the show notes as well because, like I said, you can complain to us directly. Or if you come in the Discord, you complain to both of us. One of us will respond, and the other one will read it and chuckle. <laughs> but um, nope. No, Steve is the complaint department. Yep, right. And Steve is the editor. Also, I need to apologize formally. I have been editing the last two episodes. I've never done that before. Uh, <laughs> so if you've noticed, there's been some technical difficulties. Yeah, that was that was me. Uh, I'm learning. Bear with me. Everybody has to start somewhere, and I apparently started by getting well, thrown headfirst. <laughs> yes, in your defense, I think it was like Saturday. Before the the Eddie Webb episode, I messaged you. I'm like, dude, can you? Because I just I can't. Yeah, <laughs> like I had it started set up, but I didn't get any of the actual editing done. And then, yeah, that's okay. It, we got through it. It's it, I'm getting better. I promise you'll. It'll be almost seamless. You'll never be able to tell which ones I edit and which ones Steve edits. Eventually, <laughs> don't talk to me about editing. Um, as always. We want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Roll some dice. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandstevrpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at meandstevrpgpodcast. On Discord at meandstevrpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. <laughs> uh, all right well <sighs> oh, did you want me to do the intro <laughs> do you want to <laughs> i don't care i'll do it i don't i mean whatever sure i'll do it all, all right. right uh but no they can find me uh forge uh the uh, i can't even remember my own website that's bad um so it's uh forge genesis you knew had to be you see this is why i should read it before i actually even read it aloud um <laughs> you, <laughs> don't talk to me about it Eddie. yeah um how many episodes have i got waiting to uh, edit right now but anyway that's a side note yeah, all right well that's that. it then you can't come on the podcast again <laughs> until you get one of your own edited and out yeah gauntlet throne right <laughs> yeah which one how long ago? You dropped what? Like December was the last episode you dropped? Uh, January. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, that we dropped an episode. 
sure it was recorded in November, but still. <laughs> it's always good quality. That's what I remember. To... I remember I was, this is a funny story. I remember I was like, um, we were like coming up on a year of doing the podcast and I listened to an episode of the forge and you guys shouted us out on your, um, podcast highlight. And you were like, yeah. And the new addition to the RPG, I'm like, we've been on the network for almost like a year now. Like, the new edition. 